Hello, welcome to Dementia Caregivers Community Podcast. I'm Tracy Wilson with Alzheimer's Tennessee. This is part two of a discussion we began last time about Brady's caregiver's journey. If you haven't listened to part one, you might want to pause this episode and listen to the previous episode first. Brady is three years into caregiving for his father who is living with dementia. As many caregivers do, Brady found support and useful information in an Alzheimer's Tennessee support group. Also, as many caregivers do, he faced a hard decision about his father's care. Co-host and caregiver Marquita Puckett picks up the story. I want to ask you, Brady, now that you're into this journey, is your dad still with you now? So we just recently made the decision to move him into an assisted living facility. And it was the very basics of assisted living. That's been another thing, Marquita, as you would call part of my journey, I would say education, of how many different levels there are of assistive care from nursing facilities to assisted living to memory care to all the different levels. But I say all of that to say we we found a local assisted living place that was very basic in his needs, meaning they provided a room, they provided food, and they provided medication management. And we did that as my wife and I finally had gotten to the point of we have got to have a break. We are 24-7 taking care of him. The hallucinations were getting worse. We were getting phone calls. When I say 24-7, if I could say 28-14, I would tell you that it was crazy of, of the phone calls we would get at midnight, 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. I still maintain a full-time job. My wife helps with him as much as anyone. We have two grown children that also assist. And we were all just at the point of we can't continue to provide the level of care that he needs. So we made the hard decision to find an assisted living facility that would provide him the basic needs, basic structure until we could get our breath and decide what we were going to do going forward. And he has been there approximately three weeks. The first two weeks were very challenging. He was ready to leave every day. He was packing his bags every night. Just this week, we have learned that he has started going down to the cafeteria, engaging with the social activities, that sort of thing. So we are very cautiously optimistic that he may stay there, but we are caught in that, for lack of a better term, that that, that middle ground or that paradigm of we're maintaining the house across the street for him in case he needs to come back. And we're also funding the assisted living. So, right. so money is going to make the decision for us, whether we like it or not, good or bad. That's where we are right now with with this journey. And Tracy can probably speak to this better than I. I can only speak to what I'm about to say is how I feel and my emotions. But one thing I've always said is some decisions make themselves. Mm-hmm. And yeah. each person has a different journey. I chose to move my husband. I chose to sell our home and to move. And that was seems like a drastic decision, but it worked for us. 
because I knew what you said, Brady, that it was going to become about finances. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, and that's what Tracy can probably just tell you that it does come to finances sometimes mm-hmm. about whether you even get the choice of looking into a memory care or assisted living, if that's even a choice for you. And again, I watched my brother struggle with it differently than I did when we had to put our dad in a facility. So I feel for you, Brady. I do. It's it's just different for a son, like it's different for a daughter. Mm-hmm. Tell me how it has been for you emotionally since he's been in the assisted living. Honestly, part of you do you feel relieved? Part of you still struggling? How is that? 75, 25, 75%. <laughs> and there uh, is Brady with his, with his statistics. Yeah. yeah. Se- I love 70, it. 75% relief. I can know at the end of the day, at the beginning of the day, that he is safe. Mm-hmm. He is taking his medication and he is being fed and he is taking a bath or being bathed. These were all the things that I was responsible or that my wife and I were responsible for up until this point. 25%, I feel like I've abandoned him. Mm -hmm, I feel like I'm not providing the care that, you know, the old school way of thinking would be maybe not thinking, but the old school way of your parent moves in with you and you take care of them until they're gone. And that just becomes... I heard, and this may not be for this podcast, but I heard someone say several years ago that my particular generation could be referred to as the sandwich generation. Mm -hmm. And, And what they meant by that was that not only are we taking care of our children and helping guide them into their adult life and beyond, we're also being tasked with taking care of our parents because people are living longer than they have in the past. Mm -hmm. So you find yourself pulled in two different directions and it just becomes mentally taxing would be the way I would put it. Um, For the people that know the level of care and the sacrifices that we have made over the last couple of years, three years to take care of my father, they're very supportive of you got to get some help, put him somewhere, do what you got to do. And so the people that judge you or judge me outside of that understanding, they just don't know. And I'm I'm okay with that. My wife, she's more challenged with that than I am. But at the same time, you, at some point, you've got to realize There's a saying now, if you know, you know, and if you don't know, you don't know. And there's a lot of people out there that just don't know. But they think they know. Oh, they think they (laughs) do. But they they think they know. They absolutely think they do. So, And one thing also is that, Brady, we know how things were when the journey started X amount of years ago, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And now we know how they look today. And that is a sure pointer to how it's going to look months maybe even years down the road you know right. mike mike lived oh 11 over 11 years my dad a year and a half yep. and so it was just like two totally different journeys but because of what i had been through with dad i knew what to expect with mike just didn't know it'd be over 11 
years. So when you know what you've lived through and you know sort of how it's going to look going down the road, yeah, you're right. You know what you know. And you know, you begin to, the one thing you begin to know also, I don't know about you, Brady, but you begin to look inside of yourself and have a little bit more self-awareness of, I, man, this is just, this is beyond me right now. It's just beyond me. And different people do different things. They just take a step back. They take a break. They hire people in. They start looking for memory care or assisted living. It looks a lot of different ways, doesn't it, Tracy? It does. I think that, you know, Brady really hit on a couple of things that many people that we talk to through our helpline and through support groups also kind of echo. And one, one of those is you do feel that sense of abandonment. There was someone who said, we need to have a class on what you do when your loved one goes to assisted living or memory care. Because so many people think, okay, I'm struggling. Again, that does not mean we're ill-equipped. That doesn't mean there's something wrong with us. It means that we're human and nobody can do this by themselves. So we make that decision, whether it be a, a spouse or a parent. And then we're we're left with that overwhelming feeling of of guilt sometimes it's self inflicted sometimes it is given from the person as as both of you know my mother was in long term care prior to her passing in 2022 and she was a, a just a fierce supporter of Alzheimer's Tennessee and my work and for years and years and years and to hear her say you help all of these other people and you are leaving me here to rot. Those were her exact words. Mm-hmm. That that's hurtful. <laughs> you know yeah. that that'll get you. That'll get you. A big old bag of rocks, Trey. Yeah, <laughs> it sure is. And so, just that feeling. And then, you know, the other thing that you highlighted that I think is extremely important is the contentment that your dad is feeling now. Maybe he's on the borderline of contentment. I know that you you are very optimistic. You you use that word quite a bit, but that kind of optimistic kind of waiting for his, where he'll land as far as wanting to be there, not wanting to be there, getting involved, not getting involved. Your dad is a great conversationalist. So I think that, you know, there are many people there that will miss out if he does not choose to, you know, be a conversationalist and get involved in things. But that didn't happen overnight. And a lot of people, I think, need to hear that. Well, Tracy, to your point, as you started explaining that and reiterating what I said, my hackles came up a little bit. I felt like I needed to defend my decision, and that's a natural response from that whole, if you know, you know. But again, I feel like I need to say, we paid caregivers to come in. We had services come in. We had private pay people come in. We have exhausted every resource we could possibly exhaust before making the decision to move him into assisted living. And Mm -hmm. even after all of that, we still questioned ourselves right up to the point of, is this the right decision? And the day that I took him over there, I mean, it was a 10-minute car ride, and on three different occasions, get off at this exit. I need you to turn around. Take me home. I'm not going. The emotional toll is just, sure. just can't explain that. I mean, you, you can describe it, 
people can empathize with you for it, but if you've not been there, it's a different world. And I think that's the biggest advantage of the support group is when you start talking about your particular situation, the people in the room start nodding their head because they know and they're agreeing with you as nobody else has understood this as much as you have just explained it. That's a good way to say it, Brady. It really is. You're thinking of letting him try it there for a while. And um, again, the journey hasn't ended for you. You're still your care, this caregiver for your dad. You made mention of, you know, you've got a financial decisions you'll still have to be making and if and we know you you're probably still very much Mm hands-on and it's and it's just like the mental thing though Brady it's hard to describe how you can't turn it off isn't it it's extremely hard (laughs) I no longer have to tell people who I am on the phone when I call the assisted living they recognize my voice (laughs) yes I'm very involved they recognize my wife's voice Yes, we're very involved, but at the same time, we also understand that they have a job to do. They are better prepared to manage this than we are. We still allow, and this, gosh, this sounds terrible, but we still allow my father to keep his cell phone, and that creates challenges. He calls people. He has his nights and days mixed up certain days of the week. He calls people 24-7. He called my wife and I, just my wife and I yesterday, nine times. He probably called another 15 people on top of that. We have had to go behind him and explain to friends and family of what's going on. He will call people with hallucinations, this, that, and the other. They're starting, I say starting to understand. We've helped explain what's going on. I think that's going to be our next hurdle is if he does remain there, do we still allow him to have contact with the outside world? And Mm -hmm. it pains me to even say those words because I don't want to feel like I'm restricting him. I'm doing the best for him that I can, but that's going to be a challenge. That's a great point, Brady. Mike just had an absolutely beautiful family. A large family, just it was just a beautiful family that I was blessed to marry into. And every summer they have this huge picnic and the boys, all the boys, all the grandkids, everybody, siblings and kids would all come in and they were discussing about taking Mike to the picnic. And I had to step in and say, I don't think so. Yeah. I said, I don't want people to remember him like this. Some of them hadn't seen him since he had been placed in a memory care. And you want to protect them, don't you, Brady? It's like that's why you call people and say, listen, dad's doing this or dad's doing that. It's like you want to protect your, your father, your husband. And they were gracious enough to listen. And I, all I said to them is, are you prepared to what that's going to look like if you take your dad back into something that he's not going to recognize and how he might react to that. I said, if you say he's going, then I will totally support you, but please just listen to me and, and think about these things I've shared with you. And they chose not to take him, but 
Yes. Sometimes you have to, and like you say, you feel like you're disconnecting them from their family and their friends and their world, but they're not the same people, are they, Tracy, in some ways? Right. You know, and the other side of this is that there are more people dealing with a family member or have dealt with a family member with Alzheimer's dementia than maybe we realize. And I have a story, very quick, brief story. My dad had some folks in his contact list on his phone that he called up out of the blue. He had not spoken to these folks in several years. One of the guys did not realize there was anything going on. He came to see my dad. My dad was very happy to see him. They planned a fishing trip together so on and so forth. So I was able to reach out to that friend and say, hey, just so you know, very much like you, Marquita, here's what's going on. And if I'm perfectly willing to let you and him go on a fishing trip together, but please understand this is what you are signing up for. Mm -hmm. And his response to me was he had a brother that had went through this. And they did not realize at the time what was going on. And in a couple of subsequent conversations, after having that information, this friend of my dad's, he could start recognizing the signs a whole lot more clearly. They've not went on that fishing trip. And and I don't (laughs) I don't feel guilty about that. But at Mm -hmm. the same time, there are people out there that are going through these situations that don't know where to turn, don't know who to talk to. Mm -hmm. And that was part of the reason that one, I'm a big supporter of, of the, of the support groups of Alzheimer's Tennessee, but also trying to get the word out. And I tell everyone, if, if you can find a support group to go to, please do. There's a whole lot more of us than you think as far as Yeah. You know, and that's great to hear you say that because over the years I've had a lot of people and I I will say, and you know, you hate to make the differentiation, but a, a lot of them male, not all, but a lot. And they will make the comment that, you know, I don't want to go and sit around with a bunch of other people and listen to their problems. You know, I've got enough problems of my own and, you know, I don't want to go into a group of people that are going to just cry excessively. And I think it's very important and so thankful that you brought it up several times during our talking today is that 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 really isn't what it is. Now, are there occasions where people express issues. Absolutely. Are there times that people have emotion? Well, yes, because this is real life. But truly, the whole idea behind it is just like this podcast. It's educational. It should be empowering. And most of all, hope-giving. That is the most important part. So I'm very thankful that your wife kind of harassed you into joining (laughs) us that day. Um, So we want to, we want to say thank you very much. Yeah, very much. So. And I would say this to anybody that works up the courage to go. And if you're a male, you will understand that statement more so maybe than a female would. But if you do work up the courage to go, don't let your first experience dissuade you from going to a second one. I just happened to luck into meeting the both of you and feeling a connection immediately. We have been, I have been attending now, obviously, for a year and a half or so. 
And there are some meetings that just don't go the way you would think they should go or hope they would go. And you might end up with that person that's crying a lot or complaining a lot. But I would encourage you to go back one more time just to see if it's the right place. And I would challenge anyone to say that you you to try to find someone that you don't that you do connect with. There there is something in there for everyone. Absolutely. It's like a box of chocolate. You can, and it's not that you don't know what you're going to get. It's going to be, there's going to be a good match for you. Yep. Yeah. Brady, we know that there's so much more that we could have said today and touched upon today. I just want to thank you for sharing with us your heart, your, your challenges on your caregiver's journey, and especially yes. as a son with his dad and thank you we just so want to thank you and as tracy wraps this up is there any last things that you would like to impart brady no i think the only thing i would say well, obviously the appreciation for being invited on this thank you very much but you know the, any final words of closing would be the majority of the folks that i have met in support group typically our spousal support people. I feel like I'm a little unique in the fact that I am providing care for a parent, although there's been a few. So don't let that make your decision for you. If you walk into a group that is primarily spousal support, there are similarities across the board. There, there's something there for anyone that's in the position we are in as caregivers. Thank you, Brady. Thank you. I just want to echo what Marquita already said so eloquently. And, you know, we just absolutely thank the world of you and the labor of love that you're providing to your father and your entire family just being on board and supporting one another. It it truly is a beautiful thing. I know that there are times that the days get long, the nights get long, those phone calls, the the little challenges that come up every now and then, and sometimes more now and then, but, you know, from the bottom of our hearts, as with every other active caregiver who's helping a loved one right now, we want to say thank you. And the final thing that I will say, and I did not come up with this, I would love to have taken credit for it, but I can't, unfortunately. A very wise person a while back said to a group, very much like the one you're talking about, guilt should be reserved for situations that we knew to do better and we chose not to. And as far as Brady and Marquita and myself and for the hundreds of thousands of other active caregivers who are loving someone, caring for someone right now living with a cognitive impairment, we always, always do the best that we can do. So guilt, no room for it. We just want to leave you with that thought. You're doing a wonderful job. And as always, we're here hoping to encourage, empower, and support. Until next time. You can find the next episode of Dementia Caregivers Community Podcast in your favorite podcast player. While you're there, take a minute to give us a review. This helps others find us. And as always, you can find more at alztennessee.org.